Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of And Finally with me, Sam Vader, where this week uh, we're going to start off obviously once again with the uh, Black Lives Matter campaign uh, plug, but this week I'm mentioning a specific name, that name being Cornelius Frederick, who I believe in the week past has suffered a very similar fate to that of George Floyd. Uh, from all accounts, uh, he was sort of tackled to the ground and choked after throwing a sandwich. Um, and it was this choking that caused him to go unconscious and then died two days later in the hospital due to this and it has been deemed a homicide on part of the uh, people who tackled him to the ground uh, because obviously this is this is what killed him and it did prove fatal although it was two days later still completely unacceptable and it's for this reason that we uh, at Sigil Arts do still stand with the Black Lives Matter campaign because it's still as big an issue as it ever has been uh, and just because it's not making the front page news anymore maybe because the people in charge of that news don't want it to make front page news anymore that's a different debate for another time but it doesn't doesn't mean we can stop talking about it so make sure you use the hashtag BLM or hashtag Black Lives Matter to bring the discussion back to the forefront on social media but also go to www.blacklivesmatter.com where you can find out ways to support the campaign either monetarily or non-monetarily and find resources to help educate you on the topic so that we can hopefully go and make a better tomorrow but with that out of the way we shall get back into the episode proper where this week we are talking about well, i suppose the father of physics himself a genius who is known worldwide and that is of course albert einstein now albert einstein was obviously a german-born theoretical physicist who developed the theory of relativity which even today is one of the two key pillars of modern physics the other being quantum mechanics um obviously i'm not going to go into that uh if that's that's not really my area of expertise but i do know a bit about it i read up on it but that's not what this podcast is about uh, but he's obviously best known to the general public for his mass energy equivalence formula everyone i presume most people at least know e equals mc squared um it's quite a famous formula and quite an easy one to plug in and use um but yeah obviously this has been dubbed the world's most famous equation funnily enough and he's the one who came up with that so uh he's a bit of a genius a bit of a genius albert einstein but anyway he was born in ulm 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 so i'd say it in the kingdom of Württemberg in the german empire on the 14th of march 1879 and his parents were hermann einstein a salesman and engineer who was a salesman and engineer and his mum was Pauline Koch, K-O-C-H. Um, in 1880, the family actually moved to Munich, where Einstein's father and his uncle Jacob founded Elektrotechnische oh, Fabrik J. Einstein and C. So that's probably electric fabrics um jacob einstein and co i don't know that's i don't i can't speak or read german unfortunately anyway but his family were actually uh, non-observant ashkenzi jews and uh albert actually but weirdly enough attended a um a catholic elementary school in munich from the age of five and he was there for three years and at the age of eight he was transferred to the 
Leutpold Gymnasium, now known as the Albert Einstein Gymnasium, where he received advanced primary and secondary education until he left the German Empire seven years later. In the year of 1894, uh, Hermann and Jacob's company lost a bid to uh, supply the city of Munich with electrical lighting because they lacked the capital to convert their equipment uh, from the uh, DC, direct current standard, to the more efficient and uh, more recent, I suppose, AC alternating current standard. And uh, this loss uh, forced the sale of the Munich factory and in search of business, the Einstein family then moved to Italy, first to Milan, and then a few months later, they moved to Pavia. Uh, when the family moved to Pavia, Einstein, 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 who was then 15, stayed in Munich to finish his studies at the uh, Lutipold Gymnasium. But then we get to the end of December, 1894, and that is where, uh, Einstein travelled to Italy to join his family in Pavia and uh, convinced the school, and he actually convinced the school he was at to let him go there by using a doctor's note apparently. Uh, I couldn't find any evidence on what the doctor's note said he had or what was wrong, but he used a doctor's note to get out of school, basically. I mean, if that's not inspiration to all you kids out there, Albert Einstein used a doctor's note to get out of school, so can you. No, I'm joking. Please, that's... No, don't... Oh God, what have I signed myself up for? Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Um, please, no angry parents complain that I said that, it was a joke. Einstein, however, um, always excelled at maths and physics, and from a very young age he was reaching mathematical levels years ahead of his peers, uh, by all accounts. In fact, the 12-year-old Einstein apparently taught himself algebra and Euclidean, E-U-C-L-I-D-E-A-N, geometry over a single summer I mean <laughs> that's insane <laughs> like as someone who's obviously done algebra I went through school and I got an A in maths I was, I was pretty good at math being able to teach yourself that over a single summer teach yourself and then some other form of geometry that's that's insane and then at the same time also at the age of 12 he independently discovered his own original proof of Pythagoras's theorem like can can you not like how smart do you have to be? That's... It's, it's mental. But obviously he was a brilliant man, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but his passion for geometry and algebra actually led the 12-year-olds to become convinced that nature could be understood as a mathematical structure, which is something that he sort of applied, obviously, to his later life. And that's where he came up with all his formulas and stuff about relativity and energy and mass. He sort of realised that the world we live in is just... Uh, string of numbers and if you can find where you put those numbers in you can basically work out anything which is basically why he's the father of physics as well because it's that sort of level of thinking that allows us to understand the world around us uh, from a scientific perspective obviously there are other ways maybe we could learn to understand the ways in other ways spiritually if that's what you believe in but obviously for for the most part we try as a race we choose science so yeah I mean it's incredible the fact that he's sort of saw that as a 12 year old and it's something we still sort of use today really for our applications of everyday life um he then started this is at the age of 12 he also started teaching himself calculus and as a 14 year old he says he had mastered integral uh yeah integral 
how do you say integral integral it's different variations and differential calculus right 14 years old i don't even think i could do that now because i'm pretty sure that's like a level stuff and i stopped maths after gcse right he was doing calculus at 14 14 years old my brother my youngest brother right now is 13 right he i don't even know if he can count to 10 right that's the one that was on the episode of uh, You Have Failed, by the way. I'm going to plug that. You Have Failed. It was on the How to Train Your Dragon episode. Listen to that kid talk. That's a 13-year-old, right? And Albert Einstein, a year older, was doing calculus. It's insane. He's he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I just I don't get it. It's very impressive, though. Very impressive. Um, it, <laughs> moving on from just how mad that is. In 1895, at the age of 16... Einstein took the entrance examinations for the Swiss Federal Polytechnic School in Zurich. Uh, Z-U, with two dots above it. R-I-C-H. Um, I don't know how to say that. He actually failed to recruit... He failed... I failed, apparently. Uh, <laughs> he failed to reach the required standard in the general part of the examination, uh, but received exceptional grades in physics and mathematics actually getting a six which by the way is on a scale of one to six six is the best he got a six um which is very interesting he was clearly a very clever man in physics and maths but in maybe other aspects he wasn't the brightest but you know everyone has flaws and this might just be a good example of smart people have no common sense because he was definitely very smart um you know everything happens for a reason because on the advice of the principal of the Polytechnic School, he attended the Argovian Cantonal School Gymnasium in Aru, double A R A U, Switzerland, in 1985 and 1986 to complete his secondary schooling. So. Like, he was doing all this before he even finished secondary school. It's, it's, a, it's a bit mental. Like, j- just a bit. I, I don't get it. Anyway, in the January of 1896, with his father's approval, Einstein renounced his citizen- citizenship, can't speak today apparently, to the German Empire of Wittenberg to avoid military service. So, he was a pacifist very early on. Um, he didn't like war, he didn't like violence. Uh, and this is obviously a, a big point in his life where he he renounced his citizenship just so he wouldn't have to be drafted, uh, which is very respectable. Uh, and obviously, in hindsight, knowing what was to come, could have been a factory stayed alive. Um, but you can never really know these things, obviously. Anyway, at 17, he, arro- he enrolled in the four-year mathematics and physics teaching diploma program at the Zurich Polytechnic School. Einstein's future wife, a 20-year-old Serbian named Miliva Marik, also enrolled at the Polytechnic School that year. Uh, she was the only woman among the six students in mathematics at, in the mathematics and physics section of the teaching diploma course. Uh, over the next few years, Einstein and Marik's friendship developed into romance and uh, they would read books together on extracurricular physics in which Einstein was taking an increasing interest. So that's very, you know, how everything falls into place. He didn't get into this other school, but through certain ways he ended up here and met the woman who would become later one of his wives, uh, the first of his wives. Um, I mean, I suppose being the only woman 
among the students, I suppose some of the men probably would have had their eyes on her. But, you know, that's how it works. And, I mean, that's just romance there, isn't it? Reading extracurricular physics. You know, oh, the absolute romance. No, but all jokes aside, obviously, it worked out for them. They both had a common interest and, and they went for it. So that's, it's nice. You know, good for him. I mean, he divorced her, but that's not the point. And in 1900, Einstein actually passed the exams in the maths and physics and was awarded the Federal Teaching Diploma, so he was now eligible to be a professor and a teacher, which is cool. He'd be a great physics teacher. Imagine you turn up to school and your physics teacher was Albert Einstein. I know back then that name wouldn't have meant anything, but just imagine. But um, the couple actually supposedly, uh, from all accounts and maybe a few interviews or letters written by Einstein himself, had a daughter named... Lizerel, L-I-E-S-E-R-L, Lizerel, born in early 1902 in uh, Novi Sad, where Marek was staying with her parents. Uh, apparently, though, Marek returned to Switzerland without the child, whose real name and fate are actually unknown. Uh, the contents of Einstein's letter that uh, was sent in September 1903 suggests that the girl was either given up for adoption or died of scarlet fever in infancy. So he apparently had a daughter before he ever had his sons, uh, but not much is known about who she is and where she is, what happened to her. She could still be alive now, I suppose. I mean, she'd be very old, so actually, no, she wouldn't. I uh, just remembered what year it is. But um, yeah, I mean, that's very interesting that he could have had a daughter that just wasn't as well known. I mean, he did by all accounts, but no one knows what happened to her. Um, but anyway, Einstein and Marek then married on uh, in the January of 1903, and in May 1904, their son Hans Albert Einstein was born in Bern, Switzerland, and their son Edward was born in Zurich in the July of 1910. The couple then moved to Berlin in April 1914, a brilliant year for German history. Uh, but Marek returned to Zurich with their sons after learning that Einstein's chief romantic attachment attraction was his first and second cousin Elsa um yeah that's that's not normal by modern standards um I'm sure you know everyone here knows that falling in love with your cousin isn't isn't always ideal well it, it's fine then apparently I don't know if it was fine but you know second cousin as well it's a bit weird I think it works out that he was the she was the first cousin on one of his parents' side and second cousin on the other, which means the parents were probably somewhat related anyway, so I think it was less frowned upon then, or even if it wasn't, it just happened more. But anyway, uh, Einstein and Marek uh, divorced on the 14th of February 1919, having lived apart for five years. Edward, however, had actually, this caused him a severe mental breakdown, and at about the age of 20, was diagnosed with schizophrenia because of it. Uh, his mother, uh, Marek, was I can't think of her first name. I literally said it about two seconds ago. Maleva. That's it, Maleva. Yeah. Um she cared for him, um, but he was also committed to many asylums for several periods. Uh, but finally was permanently committed to an asylum following his mother's death, which really, really pushed him over the edge. Um, but in 1919, Einstein actually married Elsa Lowenthal, 
Uh, yes, she was the first cousin maternally and second cousin paternally. I know I wrote it down somewhere. Um, it's just a bit... Oh, it's just a bit strange. But, you know... Shit happens. Um, it was after this that he actually secured a job. No, it was before this, I suppose. I've sort of jumped back a bit. He uh, secured a job in Bern at the Federal Office for the Intellectual Property... Uh, and the Patent Office Einstein Evaluation. Sorry, I've oh, I've missed up my own notes. Right, yes, he secured a job in Bern at the Federal Office of Intellectual Property. This was the Patent Office. And what he did was he evaluated patent applications for a variety of devices, including a gravel sorter and an electromechanical typewriter. So he was basically the person who looked at applications for can we make these things and sort of yes or no them I suppose um, but he didn't know much about devices he was obviously much more of a theoretical guy physics and mathematics but he was still very good at his job in the year 1900 uh, however jumping back a bit again Einstein's paper uh, conclusions from the capillarity phenomena I don't know was published in the journal Annalen der Physik I believe this was his first paper that was ever published. But by 1908, he was actually recognised as a leading scientist and was appointed lecturer at the University of Bern. So it was around this point that he was getting the international recognition that he did deserve for being such a flat-out genius. Um, Einstein actually became a full professor at the German Charles Ferdinand University in Prague in April 1911, accepting Austrian citizenship in the Austro-Hungarian Empire to do so. This is back when Austria and Hungary were still one before uh, they got their asses handed to them in World War I. Um, sorry, a bit of British patriotism came out there. Um, Based on calculations that Einstein made in 1911, though, about how his new theory of general relativity, uh, which suggested that light from another star should be bent by the sun's gravity. Uh, and it was actually in 1919 that this prediction was confirmed by Sir Arthur Edgington during the solar eclipse on the 29th of May that year, uh, in 1919. So it was around that point that his theory of relativity, general relativity, was basically seen by the world, and this is what gained him the most credit in the world scientific community because this theory was clearly correct and Albert Einstein became more of a household name for his absolute genius at this point. And Einstein actually visited New York City for the first time on the 2nd of April 1921 where he received an official welcome by Mayor John Francis Hyland followed by three weeks of lectures and receptions. So he was a worldwide famous name at this point. He was basically a celebrity for his absolute genius level intellect and, and the way he saw the world which was frankly brilliant but he, because he was travelling at the time in fact he was in the Far East uh, in 1922 he was actually unable to personally accept the Nobel Peace Prize that he was going to win uh, for physics at the Stockholm Award Ceremony in that December so someone had to actually accept it for him because he was out doing, doing work in the Far East on his travels um, 
But from 1922 to 1939, Albert Einstein was actually a member of the International Committee of Intellectual Cooperation of the League of Nations in Geneva, a body created to promote international exchange between scientists, researchers, teachers, artists and intellectuals. Um, but it was around this point that things, things got a bit difficult for him because 1930s in places surrounding Germany, especially Germany, we get a particular man rise to power, and it was in the April of 1933 that Einstein discovered that the new German government had passed laws barring Jews from holding any official positions, including teaching at universities, which meant he would have been stripped of his position, and, well, we probably know where he would have ended up. Um, so a month later, Einstein's works were actually among those targeted by German student unions in the Nazi book burnings. With Nazi propaganda, Minister Joseph Goebbels himself actually proclaiming that Jewish intellectualism is dead. Um, yeah, so obviously this was a weird time for him. It was a horrible time, obviously, in the world's history. Uh, he, obviously being of Jewish descent and being essentially Jewish himself, was now a target of, of the Nazi regime, especially because he was so influential and smart, because obviously, according to the Nazis, a Jew couldn't be that smart. None of his ideas could be correct. So, um, yeah, Jewish intellectualism was dead, and any of these books and papers were being burned in the uh, infamous Nazi book burnings. And there was actually one German magazine that included him in a list of enemies to the German regime with the phrase, not yet hanged, um, written by him. And actually offered a five thousand. Would it have been Deutschmark at the time, or might have been Deutschmark? Um, but, but it was a bounty on his head worth five thousand. Insert currency here. I'm pretty sure it was the Deutschmark. I can't remember much. I need to go back and revisit my 1930s and 20s and 40s German history. I haven't read up in it in a while. Which that's mental. I mean, this is Albert Einstein. But he put a bounty on his head and said, "Not yet hanged." That I suppose he was Jewish, so he was an enemy to the Nazi party, no matter how brilliant he was. Um, which kind of backfired, because in 1939, he, he'd obviously fled to America as a refugee by this point. Uh, he did, I think, have a six-week stint in Britain before then moving to America. Um, off the top of my head. But in 1939, he uh, regarded it as his responsibility to alert the Americans to the possibility that German scientists might win the race to build an atomic bomb and to warn that Hitler would be more than willing to resort to such a weapon. So it was at this point him and a bunch of other scientists in the US either fled from Germany or, or just America and sort of realised that Germany was getting close and Hitler would 100% use this if he gets his hands on it. Uh, so they actually tried to warn warn the American government and they sort of didn't want anything to do with it. They were like, no, you're wrong, blah, 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 you're talking shit. Right, leave me alone. Uh, but eventually they, they managed to convince them and get through to them. Um, and I think he actually wrote a letter to um, uh, President Franklin Roosevelt himself, um, where he basically outlined Hitler's advances with it and um, what he was going to do. And it, uh, the letter that was signed by Einstein and a bunch of other scientists is believed to be the actual key stimulus for the US adoption of serious investigations into nuclear weapons on the eve of the US entry into World War II. 
Um, and yeah, it, it's, <laughs> and obviously this then became the Manhattan Project, and entered in which the U.S. entered the race to develop uh, the first atomic bomb, which, as I say, became known as the Manhattan Project, which obviously Einstein helped to develop really with his advanced knowledge of physics. Um, but weirdly enough, I say weirdly enough, Einstein is quoted as having said that war was a disease and he actually called for a resistance to war. He, di- he didn't see the point of war and he thought he should be gone, get rid of it, it's not good, blah, blah, blah. You know, as you should, war's bad. As the song goes, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Like, you know, that's, no, it's a song, but it's a good point. War, war is futile and pointless, and I'm hoping this series, with some of the topics you've discussed, has kind of pointed that out. Like, why are we still at war? It, it does nothing but kill more people, and the thing with war, right, it's, <laughs> you, you can shoot as many people as you want, but in the end, you're always going to have to sit down and talk it out, right? So, why don't you cut out the middleman, cut out all the shooting and death, and just sit down and talk from the beginning? And that's, that's I think, one of the... It's not necessarily the mission statement of this series. The mission statement is to teach people about history. But part of the description of this show in particular is also about, you know, using the past to learn from it and move on into the future for a better tomorrow. So can we not look at the fact that all these wars and stuff, and even a genius such as Albert Einstein, thought the war was a pointless disease and realised that it's wrong. Look, what happened... The end of the First World War, what happened? A treaty was signed, they had to sit down. The end of World War II, what happened? People had to sit down and sign a treaty and talk about things and work things out. So you're always going to have to sit down and talk. Why don't you just do that from the start and stop fucking shooting each other? It's pointless, it's stupid, and needless, needless death. And Einstein saw that. Um, Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. Sorry. Um, but it was actually because of his view on war that he actually, uh, in an interview before he died, stated that one of his biggest regrets in life was actually signing that letter and joining on to the Manhattan Project. However, he always justified it in his head because he, he knew that the situation was completely justified. If he didn't help the Americans do it first, the Germans would have done it and the Nazis would have won the war. Um... So whilst he knows it's completely justified, he does still see it as his biggest regret. Joining in with this chaos, madness, and death. Um, but it was on 18th, sorry, it was on the 17th of April, 1955, that Einstein actually experienced internal bleeding caused by a rupture of an abdominal aortic aneurysm, and then sadly passed away in the hospital not long after. Uh, putting an end to one of the cleverest and most brilliant men to ever to ever live and yeah there's there's a lot we can obviously learn from him uh, be smart be good at physics but you know be kind as well like he was against war he was a brilliant man he had a he was a childhood where he moved around and you know but he was dedicated to his work and he wanted to learn and that's what's so impressive about him he wanted to be smarter he wanted to be better and, and that's something I suppose all of us, all of us can learn from. Um, now we sort of reached the end of his story, or the part of his story that I'm telling. Um, 
we can move on to obviously this week's sponsor which of course as always is king styles apparel that have brilliant collections at the moment they've got the failure wear collection which is my collection so please do go check that out it's got the collect- uh, creators of king's eyes collection the um it's literally just slipped my mind the clansman unite collection and the statement collection that's why i couldn't remember the statement collection all brilliant stuff there's many accessories that have gone up this week as well we've now got phone cases we've got masks need to wear masks at the moment it's very important guys so please do go check all this stuff out it's all brilliantly well designed by either schmerp edo and king's eyes himself who does my collection personally uh but they've all worked very hard on it and the quality i cannot speak highly enough of it i love wearing my shirts from the failure wear collection um i wear them far more than i probably should and you know they're not meant to be destroyed but if i keep wearing them as much as i am they they might they might end up being because i never take them off like you know i shower in the stuff um no but seriously do go check it out guys it would be greatly appreciated if you go and support us by buying our merch you can also support us by following the show on twitter which is obviously an at and finally SV or following me in particular, which is at Vader Saiyan on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please give me a rating. It doesn't have to be five star if you don't think it's five star. Give me a rating and a bit of a review. You can leave a comment if you're listening to this on kingseyes.life or you can at me on Twitter and let me know what you think of the episode and the podcast. And of course, join the Twitter not the Twitter, I've already mentioned Twitter, join the Discord, uh, the failures and finalists, where you can interact with me and other like-minded people, and even give me suggestions for topics you want to hear about in your favourite podcasts. So, with that all said, thank you so much for listening, guys. I appreciate it as much as always. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you again this week, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>